This is SOMCAST, a wine podcast created by the BC Chapter of the Canadian Association of Professional Sommeliers. We're committed to bringing you great conversations from wine professionals around British Columbia. So pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. This is part one of a two-part series with Ike Seaman, the food and beverage director and head sommelier at the Wickedenish Inn and the Point Restaurant. This is Ike's journey from Nova Scotia and the hospitality all the way west to the Wickedenish Inn. And the journey is an episode in itself, so we've singled it out here. And then in part two, we'll pick up with Ike at the Wickedenish about the program that's going on there now. So here's part one. Please enjoy. Good. It's great. It's great to see you on this this call today. I knew I always looked forward to the surprise visits when you were coming into town. I'd get a phone call from from Leslie or something saying, "All right, me and Ike are going out in the town. We'll make your your restaurant to stop by." And it was always a great pleasure to to have you come by, taste some wines, and uh, and catch up. And that Ike was my introduction to you. I think was just these surprise visits. I I, I knew a little bit about. Um, your career and what you'd created at the the Wiccan Inish and at the restaurant there but never quite like in those meetings kind of got the full story of of who you were you were kind of just yeah. this, this Someone mythic, mythic guy that stops into town two or three times a year so yeah. I'd love just to start off here and for for anyone that may uh may not know who you are or your background or even how you got to be where you are and your role and responsibility now at the Wicked Inn. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe a start from East Coast. Of the, yeah, yeah. yeah the, short, the short version. Um, and if I go too far into detail, just, just tell me to speed it up a little bit. But, but you know, my, my hospitality history really started at birth. My parents so I'm from Liverpool, Nova Scotia. That's where I was born. I grew up just outside of Liverpool on Somerville Beach. And we had, my parents had a couple of cottages and a little fish and chip shack across the road from Somerville Beach. And then our very good friends had the same setup, but right on the beach. And and that's, you know, my, my early memories are hanging out at the cabin and sitting on the ice cream cooler, eating ice cream cones and, and, you know, as I got a little bit older, you know, my buddy from across the road and I, we would, you know, take out garbage, you know, and sweep the floor or whatever to get French fries and ice cream cones. And then we'd do the same at my place. And, and as I grew up, I just liked hanging out on the beach and I liked working in restaurants. It just sort of fit. And like everyone, you know, I was washing dishes and peeling potatoes and carrots and stuff like that for a long time until someone decided to hand me a glass of coke and say hey can you drop this off at you know table five over there and you know so you're awkwardly walking along with this coke and here you go and, and uh and that kind of started you know the service side of it and that was, was your fam family's restaurant well we were ours actually was closed at that point oh. that was uh i was across the working across the road um, it was called the Quarterdeck Restaurant back then. I think it actually still is called the Quarterdeck. No, Somerville Beach Villas and Grill. I can't remember what it's called now. It's all been completely rebuilt to our place. We still actually have the cottages, but we don't have the little canteen anymore. Okay. Um, 
Can I, can that, I ask you something? I, I, I read that about you and I was curious. I'm like, okay, if that's the family business, I know that, that, I mean, to me, just fish and chips is like an occasion kind of food, like yeah. something <laughs> that you seek out. There's only specific places down by the, yeah. the docks or the, the waterside where it's, where it truly tastes the best. So yeah, just yeah. in your experience there, was there any like secrets over, hey, to get the best fish and chips or my favorite part, the coleslaw, or to get the right fries, like what, <laughs> were, were you were you paying attention to that kind of stuff at the time, or can you impart Beer in the batter. <laughs> Beer in the batter, mm. and, and uh, you know, even back then, it was, you know, you had to double and triple fry the fries, you know, you had to, I don't remember, you know, if we had Kennebec potatoes back then, but, you know, that's the, that is the ultimate fish and chip, you know, potato, um, but I, I honestly don't remember what we were, you know, it was just potatoes, I think, breast potatoes, I'm not sure, but you had to double and triple fry them. That was like the golden rule. And, you know, we were no different than everyone, you know, you'd be as a kid hanging off the potato press into a bucket in the back of the restaurant and they would, you know, lots of fryers constantly going, and, you know, and then too was, you know, we were deep frying in, in uh, animal fat, you know, it wasn't vegetable oil. So, you'd get these big solid blocks of fat and you would cook through with those for a while and then you know this was the late 70s and it didn't go in the garbage you just put it in the back of the parking lot and lit it on fire you know <laughs> it, it was different different times right oh um, yeah but uh, yeah beer beer in the batter was the was the key for sure and uh yeah and i i just like the restaurants you know i like the activity of it i like the smells you know, there was always people coming and going and, you know, we were uh, very much a resort area. So, you know, people are always excited to be there. And, and then that restaurant kind of, you know, it changed hands a few times. And, and there was a fellow who, uh, he was from Nova Scotia. He was living up in Prince Rupert with his wife and they decided to move back to Nova Scotia and they bought it and they, they wanted to make it, you know, a little bit more upscale and they had a pretty good run at it. And then they ended up buying their, their own property. They were leasing the restaurant at the time. They ended up buying their own property and built their own restaurant. And then a fellow from Ontario came in and picked it up. And he and his business partners, they, they bought three businesses pretty much all back to back. They, they bought the pub in Liverpool. They bought a bed and breakfast. And they bought the Quarterdeck restaurant and cottages. And he really was, I guess, my stepping stone into where I am today. Uh, his name was Doug Fowler. And, you know, he, he came from a pretty high-end restaurant scene in Toronto and him and his business partners were kind of sick of the city life. They wanted something a little, you know, a little more fun, a little more connected to the community. And so they bought these three businesses and they pretty much overnight turned all of them around. You know, the pub, you know, used to be kind of a rough and tumble place. You know, it was, you go there on Saturdays, people got drunk and got in fist fights, and, and they pretty much overnight changed that atmosphere, and, and it was... Were you working there at the time, Mike? Uh, not at the pub, no. I, I worked at the restaurant. What is, um, what is it like to go through an overnight, because that sounds pretty, ex like, for, for what you're describing, yeah. the area to be, and then the introduction of now, hey, who are these people, and also yeah. turning over what appear to be or sound to be these pretty iconic places if you were there what was what was going yeah. on in the restaurant at the time like that's that's a pretty interesting thing to be a part of 
Yeah, so the restaurant, so the pub was in Liverpool, the bed and breakfast was in Liverpool, and, and the quarter deck was out on Somerville Beach. And, you know, the 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 people who went to the pub, you know, like say, it was a, it was a pretty rough environment. And, and they didn't want that. They wanted a place where people could come and hang out, have a couple of beers, have some decent food that didn't cost too much, shoot some pool, play some darts, but they really wanted a, a community pub. And so they made it they made it known right away. They put a great big sign out that said, you know, no fights. Don't, you know, don't be a jerk to other people. And if you are that way, we're going to ask you to leave. And, and they did that, you know, people came in, they tried to challenge them, but the, their, the fellow, so they split the business up. So it was, <laughs> so the guy I worked, Doug Fowler. So there was big Doug, little Doug, who was the Doug I worked with and Frank. So Frank managed the um the bnb big doug managed the pub and little doug managed the restaurant and quarter deck cottages and and big doug was a pretty big dude and uh you know he he wasn't a fighter he didn't um you know condone fighting and when fights would happen you know he he literally you know would take people by the back of the neck have their arm down and he'd escort them out and he'd say you know what appreciate you coming by I'd like you to spend your cash here want you to come back for a beer but don't don't behave this way please and you know they never really outright barred people every once in a while someone would try and you know take Doug out and that was never a good idea because he literally just put his hand on their forehead and they couldn't reach him <laughs> and if it got too out of hand you know they'd say okay you're not coming back or you're not coming back for a while but they they did it with a lot of um without violence you know it wasn't wasn't like you know what that movie that uh, way back roadhouse or whatever you know it, it wasn't a fighting situation anymore and he just really calmed everything down and if people were getting out of hand you know he it was uh did you get did you get sorry there's a window right behind here so as people come and go if you see me waving that's who i'm waving to Absolutely. but there was a saying it's like oh did you get doug's hand on the shoulder and that was kind of a thing you know it's like hey i you know keep having fun, just tone her down a little bit. I love that story. I could just, yeah. rep the representation of people coming in with a very clear vision to say, this is what it's gonna be. This is what we see. We're not gonna come in and force ourselves on you, but it's a way of changing the culture. And it yeah. sounds like it, uh, well, whatever happened there helped you yeah. launch your 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 career. So well, that was the pub. Then what was it like at yeah. the restaurant? Were so, you so the restaurant, you know, was, you know, it, it had kind of stuck around with that fish and chip feeling and, and they really wanted to not make it high end, but they really wanted to create an environment where there was really good quality food, very local, um, in a, a fun, casual setting, but very upscale service, you know, really on point service, really very friendly, really very professional, um, but friendly was the key thing. And and you know we had we had um a philosophy it's like if the guest wants it and we can do it we will you know and and this is you know there weren't a lot of allergies there weren't a lot of dietary you know people would just come in sit down and if it was on the menu you ordered that thing and if it wasn't then you didn't and and but people always had requests and you know up until then you didn't well it's not on the menu no we're not going to do that and you know, so this was a complete different way of thinking, and and it was, you know, give people what they want, and you know, we would do our best at that. And 
there was a program going at the time. I can't exactly remember uh, what it was called, but it was through Tourism Nova Scotia, and it was called The Taste of Nova Scotia. Um, and it was sort of a dine-around way of the guests evaluating the restaurants that they were in. And within a season, so we were only open from May to October, within a season, we became the best restaurant through Taste of Nova Scotia. And it was all based on that, you know, it was, you know, we wore t-shirts with a, you know, the little quarter deck logo, walking shorts, sneakers. It wasn't like we were dressed up, but we were serving really nice food. And that was also my first introduction to, you know, proper food and wine service. And, you know, that aha wine moment, you know, we had a lot of um, seafood dishes, obviously, but we had a, I think there's a haddock dish haddock's like a really delicate white fish and and the owner you know he told me he's like hey Ike, you gotta when you sell this dish you have to recommend this wine and it was chablis and i was like oh well what the heck is that so he he kind of you know i had always enjoyed drinking wine you know it's like my one of my first you know working in and around liverpool you know you work here you work here you work there whatever you know i was my first bartending job, I was 17, you know, it didn't even matter that you weren't legal age, you know, he didn't really care. Oh, you're 17, go ahead. You know, but I, I had the chance to try beer, wine and spirits and so on. And I, I really liked wine. I didn't know anything about wine. And, and that was kind of, you know, we had a small wine list, but it was very pointed. And I just remember that Chablis really being a highlight, you know, and tasting the wine and the food together was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it really enhanced each other and you know so we have I, I love I love that I, I sometimes think from the first time that I was ever introduced to a food and wine pairing I don't think I would have got it on my own unless somebody had said number one I'm going to put these together and number two here's what you got to look for was that kind of the experience in that moment of yeah 100% you know it and, and and from there you know that really sparked my my interest in wine and and I started you know instead of just always having beer I have beer and wine and um and as I you know kind of got a little bit older you know and got a little bit smarter and realized well if I actually not teach the guests but you know if I have a story behind the wine you know I'll make more sales too and, and it, you know, then it became a lot more fun so I I was learning a little bit about wine and with the hotel, uh, with that property only open May to October, I ended up going to hospitality school. From there, I ended up at the uh, Algonquin Hotel in New Brunswick, which back then was a CP property. Mm. And and there we, you know, they really gave you a very, not intense, but they gave you a pretty good wine training program there. That hotel was also only open May to October. So lots of seasonal stuff happening. And, and that was also my first chance to travel around. I had never really left Nova Scotia at that point. You know, so I was pretty excited to be in New Brunswick. We'd run what down, to the state. I don't know, 20. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, then I went back, I worked at the quarter deck the next season. And mm. then, you know, from being at the Algonquin and the, the hospitality school that I was at, you know, I'd met a lot of people at the Banff Springs Hotel, 
and Banff was one of our co-op partners. And, you know, I had never been to the Rockies before. I had made a lot of friends who would work at Banff, but transfer to the Algonquin for the summer season and then transfer back to the spring. So they said, oh, you need to come out to the Rockies. So one winter after the season, I flew out to the Rockies and I worked at the, what was then the Rob Roy dining room uh, was their fine dining room. So we we're doing all the table side stuff, flambés and that, and that was a ton of fun, you know, and, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, we did this Caesar salad table side, which is still the recipe I use at home today is that recipe that I, I got from the, from the restaurant, but they also had a, a really great wine program. And, you know, I started learning a little bit more about wine and being uh, in New Brunswick and now seeing the Rockies, especially the Rockies, like so majestic, you know, and I thought, wow, I went back to the quarter deck again for another season. And, you know, I was talking to my, uh, to Doug and I said, you know, we used to, after the restaurant closed, would sit around and have a glass of wine. We'd throw a steak on the grill and just BS about restaurants and stuff. And, you know, he said, you really should go travel a bit more, right? And he said, you know, you're kind of at that age. You can, you know, you have that uh, that passion. And, and I said, you know, I, I really want to see some of the world. And he said, well, I have a friend who who is in the private yacht industry. And he said, you know, if you really want to travel and see a lot and get paid for it and work in the high end, he goes, and you always like being around the water. He said, why don't you give this a go? So I, I had a, a really you know, fancy resume made and he helped me word it so that it looked like I was smarter than I was. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I flew to, um, to Miami um, with the intention of going into to Fort Lauderdale and passing this resume around to all these private yachts. And, um, but at the time, you know, I thought it would be a simple thing. And when I was chatting with his buddy, he was in St. St. Bart's or St. Martin, I can't remember. Um, anyway, he said, like, oh, I don't know, man. He goes, you're a Canadian, you're flying to the U.S., you know, all the boats tied up there, even if they have an international flag, they're not going to hire you unless you have a U.S. green card. And um, so I was like, well, how hard is that going to be to get? You know, because Canada and the U.S., you could pretty much walk across the border. There was nothing really you know, there was no big thing going on, but it was all changing then. So here I am in Fort Lauderdale passing around my resume and not one person would look at me because I didn't have a, a U.S. green card. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just get this green card. Well, that was impossible. And then my money ran out, everything ran out. I had to, you know, come back home. So I worked for a season and I'm at the quarter deck again. And so he's like, well, that was a swing and a miss. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> what do I do now? And uh, there was a fellow there who lived on Vancouver Island, but was from Nova Scotia, and his brother still lived in Nova Scotia, literally, you know, a couple hundred meters up the beach from where the, the restaurant was. And every day he would walk on the beach, and every day on his way back from his walk, he would stop in for either a coffee or a beer, or a glass of wine or whatever. And so I got to know him over, you know, the summers, and because he would spend the summer with his brother. and. He said, well, where are you going this year, Ike? And I said, man, I have no idea. He said, you have to go to Tofino. And I said, Tofino, where the heck is that? He goes, it's on Vancouver Island. He said, you'll absolutely love it. He said, it's nothing but beaches. You can go surfing all day. It's a small town like Liverpool. 
and he said, it's, it's just incredible. You know, he said, it's the Hawaii of Canada. And I said, what the Hawaii of Canada? I want to go to Hawaii. You know, I was so charged up. And so I pulled out a map that night, looked up Vancouver Island, found where Tofino was. And I was like, I'm going to Tofino. So I had lined up a vehicle with a friend of mine and, you know, just literally a week before I was to head out, I, uh, found out that this car that I had lined up to buy was had been sold and I was like damn it so I'm sitting at my cottage chatting with my brother sipping on a beer and I'm super bummed thinking well how am I how am I supposed to get to Vancouver Island now I don't have the car and then out of the blue this beat up little red van pulls up my driveway and I thought who the heck is that and my buddy Ray jumps out hey man what's going on Oh, not much. Just having a beer. Come on in. So we were, you know, having a BS, having a few beers. And he said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, the restaurant's closing in a couple of days. And I was supposed to go to Vancouver Island to, you know, check things out, go to this town called Tofino to go surfing. And, uh, but I was buying a car from my, you know, another friend. And I said, ends up his, his wife sold the car because she didn't think he was going to sell it. And uh, so I, I said, now I'm stuck. And he said, well, I just got laid off. And he said, I don't have any money, but I just bought this van. So how about you give me the money that you're going to give this guy for his car? I'll give you the van. We'll drive out together. And I was like, that sounds good. So I went worked a couple of shifts. And, and business actually was still pretty strong. And uh, so I said to Doug, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried because I'm afraid of driving through the Rockies, you know, in the middle of winter and so on. And he's like, you know what, Ike? He said, you've been planning this all summer long. He said, we had a date in mind. And he goes, I'm only going to stay open for another few days after that. He said, don't worry about it. He goes, go on, go on your trip. So Ray and I, I packed all my surfboards in the van, picked up the you know, Ray just stuck with me and, and then we started driving and I had uh, a friend of mine who was a roommate in Montreal, um, just outside of Montreal. He, I called him and I said, Bill, what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing anything either. I said, well, Ray and I are driving across the country. Do you want to come with us? Sure. So we drive into uh, Quebec and Phil was finishing up his job. So we spent, you know, about a week just cruising around, checking the sites. And, and the province, and then we picked up Phil, and, and we booked it across the country, and we were hightailing it back to Banff. Phil and I wanted to connect with some friends, and um, so we show up in Banff in this little beat-up van. And the, I have the quick van story is, you know, when we left Nova Scotia, that is a little Toyota van, and it looked, literally looked like a pop can that someone had gone <laughs> with. You know, it was so beat up, and and everybody was like, oh, that piece of shit will never make it out of the province. <laughs> you guys are idiots. So here we are. We pick up Phil, and he looks at this thing. He's like, oh, my God, is this thing going to make it out of the province? I said, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So we make it to Banff. We meet up with our friends. We, you know, have a party for a night, hop back in, and, and we're going from Banff to Vancouver. And we're trying to make it in one day, which is a bit of a haul. And we are somewhere on the Coquihalla and it just starts snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing. And it's just like, okay, we have got to find somewhere to pull over because we're not going to 
we're not going to make it in this weather. Oh my. So we find a pullout somewhere, and we, you know, we had our sleeping bags and stuff, and we just bumped her in, and uh, we woke up the next morning, and literally there was like two feet of snow outside, but and neither of us heard this, but the snowplow driver, as he was clearing the road, he he must have seen our van there, and he pulled off the highway and did a lap around the van and then back onto the road. And we're like, oh, this is incredible. Like, seriously, thank you very much, snowplow driver, dude. If and you're we, listening, snowplow driver. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, thank you. so we had to dig a little bit out, and then we pushed the van into where he had plowed hopped back in, drove down to Vancouver, met up with a friend of ours for the night, came over to the island, met up with a couple of friends, and then we were actually in Victoria, and uh, Phil, you know, we were like, where are we going again? Because they thought, oh, we're going to Vancouver. I'm like, we're not going to Vancouver. There's no surf in Vancouver. We're going to Vancouver Island. And I said, we're going to Tofino. And then Phil said, Tofino? Um, I thought we were going to the city. I said, no. I said, I've always said Tofino. It's the Hawaii of Canada, man. And, and uh, so he's like, well, my sister's been to Tofino and, you know, that's a horrible place. You know, no way we're going there. So Phil kind of scared Ray. Ray's like, I don't want to go there either. Let's stay in the city. So we're in Victoria and, you know, we couldn't find a job to save our souls, like anywhere. I applied at a pub, which is now, I think, Darcy's Pub. Um, and uh, there was, when I got to the job application, which literally was for a busboy, and uh, I got to the job site, and the owner came out, and he said, sorry, and there's a massive lineup, out of the pub, down the thing, down the, you know, that where the big stairs go down, onto the street, and the owner comes out, and he said, excuse me, he goes, is, is everybody here for the busboy job raise your hands and everybody raised their hands and I swear to God I am not kidding there was over a hundred people there so he said okay just hang on a sec so he had everybody come in the pub and we literally filled the entire pub full of people and so we're sitting there he said okay I'm a little overwhelmed right now he said it's literally a busboy job so everybody raised their hands who has never worked in food and beverage so a handful of people did. And he said, I'm really very sorry. You have to go. Now everybody raise your hand. And he just kind of worked through the ranks. So it was down to, have you been a restaurant supervisor before? Raise your hand. So everybody in there for this busboy job had been a restaurant supervisor at some point. Or they were saying they were. And then so the group keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. There's maybe 20 people left. And I'm thinking... Oh, I need this job. Like we're out of money now. We had spent all our money driving across the country. We didn't have any money anyway when we started out. And I was like, I need this job badly. And he said, raise your hand. He goes, who has worked with squirrel before? I'm like squirrels unheard of. Everybody worked with micros and whatever the other stupid system was back in the nineties. And like, he said, I'm sorry, everybody who's not worked with squirrel, you have to go. I was like, oh. so I went back and then we had a little uh, bro meeting at the, uh, at our apartment. And I was like, I don't know what we're going to do, man. Like I, I, I can't get 
we can't get unemployment. There was something that screwed up with my unemployment insurance. I said, I can't get unemployment. I can't get a job. I said, you know, we're supposed to be in Tofino. This is Victoria. I don't know. Like, let's just make the move to Tofino. I know we can get jobs there. It's a small town. And uh, Phil and Ray were both, mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. We're going to go to Whistler. We'll get jobs in Whistler. And I said, okay, well, you guys go to Whistler. I'm going to Tofino. So we said our goodbyes. They went to Whistler. I came up to Tofino, set up camp. The next day, I was at Long Beach <clears throat> checking out the surf, getting my resume ready. And this car pulls in, and this guy hops out. He's like, oh, Nova Scotia. And you know, he starts chatting. And he said, well, what are you doing out here? And I said, oh, well, I came out to go surfing, and I'm looking for a job. He said, oh, well, what do you do? I said, well, server, bartender, blah, blah, blah. He goes, you're a bartender. He goes, there's a function happening on Friday night, which I guess was like, I got there on a Thursday. So tomorrow night, yeah. he said, we need a bartender. And I said, oh, well, what's the function for? He said, well, <clears throat> it's a local lady. She has some rare form of cancer. We're raising money to send her to the state so she can get this treatment. And I said, so it's a local, like a local thing? He said, yeah, it's 100% local. And I said, you need a bartender for a locals event. Yep. I said, I'll do it for sure. And I thought, hey, man, this is, I'll be able to meet everybody in town and they'll see me working. I'll be able to get a job. So I said, yeah, for sure. I'll set everything up. He goes, good, because we have no idea what we're doing. I said, hmm. just tell me where it is, what time you need me there, and I'll, I'll take care of everything. I'll take care of everything. And at this point, I literally had $35 that I had borrowed from a friend of mine in my pocket. And so I go into Tofino. I go to the Legion. It was at the Legion. I get the bar all set up. And like the town is packed like the place is just pumping busy and so we're slinging beers all night having a good time sipping on a beer at the end of the night and um to me i was thinking oh this is you know this is fantastic and the lady who was running the event ended up giving us a couple of beers and then she gave us all the tip money you know she said i can't pay you and i was like well i don't actually want to get paid i just was you know wanted to be here and she said take the tip money I'm like no 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 it's like this is a fundraiser keep the tips and but she insisted. So me and this other guy, we split the tips. And I was like, wow, I've got 120 bucks in my pocket. I'm a millionaire again. And I've met the town. So the next day I had my resume. I put my quarter deck shirt on so that people would think, you know, it's like, oh, he, this is the kind of restaurants, you know. And I started passing my resume around. And instantly everywhere I went, people were like, because I had met everyone. So I ended up, the Wiccan Inishin wasn't around back then. I worked um, at the McQuinna Hotel, serving breakfast and lunch. And I was there for a few months. It was a really great crew of people. And, but the hotel was going through an ownership change and the new owner wasn't sure if they were gonna keep the F&B program going. So they told us all, it's like, well, you, you better, go, better go find a job somewhere else, I'm sorry. I was like, damn it, I just, you know, I just got here. I found a place to stay. I'm having fun in Tofino. Hopefully I can get another job. And then there was a little property called the Orca Lodge. And it was um, a little Italian themed restaurant with a little, uh, not a pub, but like a little lounge. And it had eight guest rooms and everybody went there. It was just packed all the time. I thought, well, this is a pretty cool place. So I applied for a job there. And, uh, and they it took a little bit but they ended up finally hiring me 
and I worked there for two years. And I was watching the Wiccan and a Shin get built. And I thought, whoa, this place looks really nice. I said, I'd like to get a job there. So I finished my second year at the Orca Lodge. And then I gave them my notice. And I said, you know, thanks very much. I appreciate everything. And, but I said, I, I want to, you know, check out things over at the, at the WIC. So I, I applied out here. And it took a little, a little convincing the owner that I was... Uh, I was good to hire, and um, so they took me on. I was serving at night in the restaurant, and that quickly developed to being the food and beverage trainer, and and I did that for a few years, and then the opening chef and his wife, she was a special events manager. He was the chef. They decided to make a move, and I was encouraged to apply for her job, so I, I did, and, and um, Charles... Uh, put me in that position, which was my first time in a real management position. You know, at the quarter deck, I did a lot of supervising and, you know, but it was pretty basic. It, and we all, you know, it was a small crew, so we all kind of knew our roles and so on. So this was a big, big learning curve for me. And I did that for about a year and a half. And as much as I enjoyed it, I, I really missed the being full-time in the restaurant. So the restaurant manager had decided to move to the Okanagan to be closer to the wine industry, which was, you know, just lighting on fire at that time. So this is like 99 or something like that at this point. So I ended up being the restaurant manager for a while. And, um, and you know, our program was pretty minimal at the time. You know, the beverage program was kind of small. We had um, a pretty good whiskey collection, though, um, but the wine list was only, you know, maybe 50 or 60 wines, and we really wanted to keep it all BC. Um, so I had, you know, kind of connections, you know, Kettle Valley, Poplar Grove, Blue Mountain, you know, all those kind of that crew that was around back then. And, um, and then for something totally out in left field came my way, and I had an opportunity to go commercial fishing. And, you know, being a kid in Nova Scotia, everybody went fishing and I wanted to go fishing. And so I thought, well, I wasn't able to when I lived there, I'm going to now. So I, I gave my notice and all of my restaurant friends looked at me like, you're going to do what? You can't, you're, you're, you're way too soft to be a fisherman, dude. Like this is not going to work. And uh, so I went on this boat out of Tofino with a local guy and uh, I fished total for three years but the first six months I was you know at the wick and fishing part-time and then my last six months I was fishing and at the wick part-time um, but I, I absolutely loved fishing you know it was it was a ton of fun and you know, we fished mostly crab but salmon and we at the very end of the, my time on the boat we did a couple tuna trips too which was just like I say it was so much fun um, but the money was really inconsistent and, and I needed something a bit more with more stability. So I asked Charles, you know, it's like, can I come back to the WIC? And I didn't really have a, a job. I was, you know, I was serving, busing, bartending, hosting, supervising. It did, you know, I was just doing a little bit of everything. But the biggest thing that had changed is our 50, 60 selection wine list of only BC wines had grown to about 600 and with a lot of international wines. And I, even though I knew 
the basics of wine and knew a little bit about wine and and I knew you know I knew my Kettle Valley wines I I didn't know anything about international wine. The story continues in part two.